Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. tipped and there you are you're running for your life you're a shooting star and all the years no one knows just how hard you work but now it shows that one shining moment it's all on the line that one shining moment they're frozen in time welcome to the newest edition of bruce the sports talk we're rumbling into ncaa march madness and we thought we'd give you that little tidbit from the Wiz and bruce the sports talk and with that Mr. Wizard, what's up? Well, there's nothing like kicking off March with a little um, Luther Vandross and uh, One Shining Moment, um, a song that really actually brings me to tears most years watching it, um, watching that slideshow. And even as a kid in middle school, my mom would let me stay up. And you also, Dad, would let me stay up for the One Shining Moment presentation and just to see the slideshow of images and videos um, from really day one in the tournament, seeing the team the small schools upset the big dogs and just seeing them run absolutely crazy off the bench after winning the last second shots the memories it really is a journey and I don't think there's any better way to kick off the best month of the year for basketball than than um, some Lufer Vandross one shining moment and uh, I actually have to say I'm really impressed with your singing ability dad and I think we just had a lot of fun with it and I hope you guys enjoyed <laughs> seeing us sing and not take ourselves too seriously well, with that, we're going to dive right into um, bracketology, and we're going to we're going to run down our view of the brackets. We're not going to actually pick the individual brackets, but we're going to talk about the teams, the ones that are winners and losers, who's rising, who's falling, and this is a really exciting time of year. Of course, everybody is watching the tournament, and the, the exciting thing is there's just not one, literally not one standout team. Like last year, Kentucky really 
was so dominant. Anthony Davis was such a dominant player. And this year, the number ones have been knocked off sequentially over the course of the year. And basically, it's almost like a playing a game of musical chairs. Who's number one the last? And right now, it's Gonzaga, who's number one. And Duke has, has made a big return to the top. So, Spencer, why don't you um, – let, let, let's just uh, – bounce around the top teams and let's let's get a little bit let's give the the listeners a little bit of flavor for the teams themselves okay well let's start up top and uh we have the um the west coast um conference's own gonzaga bulldogs from spokane washington i mean gonzaga over the years has kind of separated themselves from that mid major label they've had adam morrison take them to the sweet 16 in 06 um, they've had really solid teams that have usually gotten to the um, second round of the NCAA tournament. Last year, they lost to Ohio State. Um, so about this Gonzaga team that's really special, Mark Few really um, is a tremendous recruiter, and he and it really is a powerhouse of the West. And they've really showed that they're kind of growing out of the WCC. I mean, other than the occasional game at St. Mary's in um, in McLean Pavilion that they have to go there in Moraga, California. Other than playing St. Mary's, they pretty much have owned the league this year. They've uh, they haven't lost a game I think since November. They're five and zero versus the Big Twelve Conference. They beat Oklahoma State. Um, and I believe that they uh, they beat another really good a uh, big t- oh yeah they beat Baylor at home they routed them so let's talk about their team because you might not know them as well really foreign based team they have Kelly Olynyk inside who's probably the most improved player of the year he's up for a Wooden Award he's an All American he has really long hair and um, he's just such a bulky guy just so strong he could stretch the floor he's a shooter he's a seven foot shooter but he's not like Dirk Nowinski he could power in the lane and he can also finish so he's a post player and he can be finesse from the outside just a double threat um, superstar Kelly Olenek uh, again you're going to love the guy he has long hair so enthusiastic he actually redshirted his freshman year um, and then we have Elias Harris from Germany um, again this guy is so quick for he's such a matchup problem as a four because he can shoot the basketball really well like a Kyle Singler but he can also blow by you and really finish at the rim, dunk the ball. Gary Harris is a great, um, he's a great guy at the three. He could shoot the ball well, but he also is a hustler, a scrapper, a glue guy. I love Gary Harris and his senior leadership. Then you have Kevin Pangos from Canada. Again, Olenek and Pangos play on the Canadian national team, and Pangos, number four, could shoot the lights out of the ball. Great facilitator, quick. And then, of course, you have the little David Stockton, who, again, has John Stockton jeans, which his dad is an Olympic Hall of Famer for the Utah Jazz, one of the greatest point guards ever. He's a little guy on the floor. He's not as tall, I think, as his dad, but he could just see plays before they happen. So Gonzaga, a special team. I am definitely taking them to the Elite Eight and probably fervor. So that's the Gonzaga Bulldogs. You look at Duke, very talented team as well. Indiana with a big win over Michigan because Michigan couldn't hit their free throws. Um, I love Indiana because of Zeller, Oladipo. But with Duke, you also have Ryan Kelly returning, Mason Plumley. I think Duke's a more consistent team. So, so Bruce, um, 
you kind of looked at Lehigh beating Duke last year. Um, they had Austin Rivers, different team. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about Duke and then talk about some of the coaches because you see the top 25. You know a lot of great coaches in this field. Talk about coaching and how important that is. Well, Mike Krzyzewski, you know, the, the winningest coach, the, the class coach of the league. And you look at Seth Curry. I really look upon him as the wild card. Uh, if, if he's on, uh, you know, you, you look down low, they've got the boarding. They have the, uh, the big forward is, is back. Ryan, Kelly. Ryan Kelly's back. And, and he just blasted off with 36 points the other day and looked really dominant. And this guy is like a 6'10 guy who can shoot the ball. This guy looks like an NBA player, much more than Adam Morrison, frankly. And the, the Duke has the athleticism. And Seth Curry, if he's on, Duke is going to be tough to beat. We look at Indiana, and, and I know you covered the Indiana-Purdue game. You actually went to Assembly Hall, and you went with your cousin, Mark, and you, you saw the team, and obviously uh, Purdue you know, is, is a building team. They're, they're not one of the top teams in the Big Ten. But when you were there, uh, tell me about the atmosphere at Assembly Hall. That's a special place. And, and break down the players on the Indiana Hoosiers, please. Okay. Well, first off, I think one of my favorite players in college basketball, because he's so modest and really because he just has a heart, you could tell the guy has a lot of passion for playing basketball, not athletically gifted, but a guy who's just a gym rat is Jordan Holes, the senior, number one, can hit the three ball, um, kind of has a quirky release, but he's just a fantastic jump shooter, a knockdown shooter, leads the team, really good dribbler, always has his head up. Um, not going to blow past people with speed and athleticism. That job is for Victor Oladipo, the most athlete, freak athlete really in the 2013 class. He is up for National Player of the Year, and he's kind of taken the um, – the college basketball world by storm. People knew he was athletic, but people didn't know he could stretch the floor, hit the three ball, and he's just a guy who's going to do everything. He's going to get steals. He's going to get boards. He impacts the game in so many ways on both ends of the floor. He is always touching the basketball, always involved. Indiana wouldn't be nearly the same team without him. Then you have a little bit of a shire, but but also equally talented of a player in Cody Zeller, who should demand the ball more, but this guy can finish at the rim. He's tough. He could stretch the floor, shoot it a little bit. Cody Zeller, a great leader, really has his head on straight. So Indiana, I'm very impressed with. The only problem is sometimes they fall in love with the three-point shot. And um, and some and they really need to improve their defense a little bit. Um, also, a wild card, the sixth man of the year, Will Sheehy. Great personality and a guy who's 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 tall and can also get to the rim and shoot the ball well. And he's kind of like an X factor um, for this Indiana Hoosier basketball club. Um, we also have teams like Miami that I really like. Really athletic ball club down that Jim Laranega has. Shane Larkin is a point guard that is absolutely terrific. So the ACC this year with Miami and Duke, um, they're, um, they have a couple teams up there that can compete. And, uh, and then it's worth noting um, the Missouri Valley Championship was Sunday and the Creighton Blue Jays were able to beat Wichita State. Um, you've watched the Blue Jays this year, Dad. Talk about um, the Creighton Blue Jays and talk about maybe some mid-majors like Shaka Smart VCU. Talk about like the mid-major um, powerhouses and which teams stand out. 
Well, first I'd like to talk about Creighton because this is a team we've highlighted all year long. You've got Doug McDermott, who's really shining as one of the players of the year in, in the whole country. He is a great shooter. He's got some height. He's got moves down low. Your favorite player, Grant Gibbs, who is a point forward, who is a super senior. And basically, he's a great passer. Uh, you've got Greg Anjanike, who is, is a tall, like a legitimate six foot eleven player, a big post man. And then you've got Ethan Rogic, who, who is a, a three-point wild card. And, and, and you, have, uh, you have Greg McDermott, who is the, the, the father of Doug. And we, we saw the cream rise to the top. We just saw Creighton setting screens, um, boxing out, and playing more athletically. So they hit a lull in the middle of the season where they just were kind of dead. And at the end of the year, they've, they've really turned it on. And I'm really bullish on the, the on Creighton. I think they can win a few games in the tournament. Yeah. You look at the X Factor yesterday, Jahans Managa. He finally started driving the basketball. Thank you, Jahans. Instead of just staying out there and just being a one-dimensional guy and shooting the basketball, he actually took the action upon himself. He drove into the lane, made some fantastic plays, great passes to Doug McDermott. He's another guard that brings that different element to Creighton because they have a lot of guys who can shoot it, Raggy and Avery Dingman, but Managa is an X-factor. He could, He's a guy that from the three position now that he's gaining confidence, and if Jahan's Managa is playing at the way he's playing, um, Creighton has that other dimension of driving the basketball. That's how they play. They drive and kick. Austin and Chapman again, some fantastic lobs to Gregory Anjanike. Ethan Raggy was numb yesterday. I mean, that guy just posts up from the three line, and if he squares himself to the basket, it's lights out. So Ethan Rage's a great shooter. Grant Gibbs, one of my favorite players in college basketball, just because of how smart he is. He's so savvy. I mean, I just love the way he sits with the assistant coaches. It's like he's so above playing as a college basketball player. He just has this edge to him like he knows everything. He's not surprised. He's just such a calm and steady force out there on the floor. He's going to be a coach someday. Just a special person and player, Grant Gibbs. If you know his personality, he even jokes around with college basketball reporters. I mean, the guy is literally like... He, he's, he, I mean, he, he's, he jokes around like a kid, but he is like an adult on the floor at, at, and off the floor. Um, so Creighton basketball, again, with Jahan's driving the ball, with Austin being aggressive, getting in the lane, and driving out and kicking the shooters, that is the recipe for Creighton um, to make possibly make a Sweet 16 run and fervor in this tournament. Man, I'm just so excited. It's hard to contain myself. What a segment we just had. Um, talking about top 25 and talking about mid-majors that could crack in. So, um, again, thank you for sticking with us on Bruce the Sports Doc. Uh, just a joy to sing some Luther Vandross again. And um, sing one shining moment, and uh, just a great time on the air. And um, thank you. We'll be back in three minutes. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. 
serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. School to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc here on the Voice America Sports Network. I'm the co-host, uh, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, and uh, it's a lovely Tuesday afternoon here. Um, and I am joined by a special guest um, from Bleacher Report, a student at Temple University and an avid Chicago Bulls and NBA enthusiast, Wes Kaminsky. Wes? How's it going? Pretty good. Glad to be here. Um, so uh, so I guess let's get started with NBA basketball. Um, yesterday, uh, or Sunday I should say, was a, uh, a very exciting um, NBA slate of games. We had the Heat coming back to beat the New York Knicks. Um, we had Oklahoma City and the Los Angeles Clippers go down to the wire. So, um, Wes, the first question I want to ask you is, do you believe that Oklahoma City and Los Angeles, do you think that that's a preview of the possible Western Conference um, final? I mean, I think definitely there's a great chance of that. But I think it really depends on how Tony Parker comes back from his uh, from his ankle injury because I think, I mean, last year you saw the Spurs were two games away from going to the finals before the Thunder came back. And I think if they saw him again this year, I think the Spurs would beat them this year because I think James Harden is that important to the Thunder. And I, I really think they're going to miss him come playoff time. So... I think I like the Spurs and the Western Conference Finals in a rematch against the against the Thunder this year. 
Yeah, because you know Harden kind of has that element to slow the game down. Um, he's uh, he could create his own shot like one on one, and uh, I don't think Kevin Martin is 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 quite that fit um, for uh, Oklahoma City. But I still I, I think that the Clippers are just like too young of a team right now. I mean I love Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, but uh, I think that them versus San Antonio would still be a big struggle just because San Antonio is athletic um, and Tim Duncan playing at a very high level and they know that their peak is uh, their time for success is closing as you've mentioned they're a veteran team so I I cannot count out uh, Greg Popovich so um, I also don't think you can count the Lakers out you know they're playing a lot better as of late they just got the 500 and you see Kobe's putting the Lakers on his back and you know you know he's not a guy who's going to want to play in the playoffs so don't forget about the Lakers yeah, that's a great point as well. I mean, right now it's going to be very interesting. I think that the Lakers are fighting for that eighth seed. I know the Warriors are slipping. So, um, I mean, that's going to be a very interesting first-round matchup because I think the Lakers are going to play an elite team in the first round. Yeah, I'm just if I'm the Thunder, the Spurs, or the Clippers, like, I'm not going to be crazy if I have to draw the Lakers round one. Yeah, I mean, Dwight Howard, and it's funny, you know, like uh, Kobe Bryant always just turns it on to a different level in the playoffs. I mean, the regular season for Kobe, it's not as, um, let's just say, motivational because he's he's been through regular seasons. He's all about, like, winning championships, and a, a good playoff for the Lakers will just erase all this this chaos that um, ESPN has made out the Lakers' roller coaster season. Exactly. They're not even they're not Pal the soul back yet either. Yeah. So definitely a scary team. Well let's talk about your team, the Chicago Bulls. I mean they, they played a um a team that uh is also a contender in the East um on Sunday. Talk about the Bulls Pacers game. Looked like a very close game, went down to the wire. So talk about um that that game on Sunday. Yeah, it was a kind of an emotional game for the Bulls and that was Derrick Rose's first game back sitting on the bench. And you know, the Bulls played well. You know they're shorthanded though. They have no Richard Hamilton, no Rose, of course, no uh, Taj Gibson, and no Kirk Heinrich. So I mean, they battled hard, but you know that game was evident more than ever that they really need Rose back because oftentimes they're just they don't have enough offense. Um, nobody can really create their own shot except for Nate Robinson, and he even he got hurt last night and couldn't finish the game. So they had to go to the rookie Marquise Teague, who was just you know, he's young. He's just he's kind of afraid to shoot so it was tough the Pacers are a good team and uh, it's just it was a tough loss yeah, so you look at the Bulls right now and they have um, Joakim Noah and Boozer um, inside um, so so you're saying that their guard play is is lacking a little bit with creating um, offense so with Kirk Heinrich in the lineup they've played very well but he's missed various injuries this season and it's caused him to miss many games. It's just, it's evident, you know. He's, he balances the offense, he creates shots for guys like Luol Deng, whereas Nate Robinson is more of an energy guy who's been playing very well for the Bulls as of late. But, you know, you know that if he has the ball, he's going to try to shoot it. And mm-hmm. Heinrich's going to more try to create for the other guys, like Bellinelli, yeah. stuff like that. So, so Kirk is more of a distributor of the basketball. Exactly. 
So, so Derek Rose now, if he if he were to come back and be like eighty percent, um, how do you think that this would change the um, the Bulls' offense compared to now? I mean, I know of course Derek Rose is a freak athlete. Um, talk about the way he distributes the basketball and and talk about just the emotional impact. I mean, you follow yeah, the Bulls. Rose, I mean, he's uh, you know he's he's going to control the ball. He's, he demands the ball because you know he does so much for the Bulls. Um, you know, he's carried in two years ago to the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami. And he's just, you know, he's, uh, I mean, he is the offense pretty much. But, you know, as much as he shoots, he's a very team-oriented player. And all of his teammates love him. But it's really a question mark if he's going to come back. I think he's going to come back or else he wouldn't be practicing and playing five-on-five. But, you know, the way, I just, it's hard to tell. But when he comes back, I still don't know if this team has enough to get past Miami. Because you know Miami has that ability to just turn it on when they are losing. You saw against the Knicks yesterday. Yeah. And it's just I don't I'm just not sure if the Bulls have enough weapons on offense. The defense is there, but the weapons I'm not sure they have enough to get past Miami, even if Rose does come back at a high level. Yeah, I mean, Miami, uh, you know, LeBron James, uh, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade, I mean, they're a tough team to stop. And then they also have guys like Norris Cole who can, who can hit jump shots. But uh, LeBron is a tough... You can't forget some Shane Battier, all these pickups they have, Ray Allen. I mean, yeah. they just have these guys who LeBron can just does his thing, kicks about to the three, and they do their job. Yeah, um, you put a couple elite players, and I think LeBron's even playing his best basketball now. I think even if he was on Cleveland, um, they, they of course they would still be a title contender. I'm looking at the Bulls' schedule. I mean, talk about just the resiliency of this team, or just talk about how the coach Fibido is just getting the most out of his players. And how they are win, you know, as I look at the schedule, they are winning the games they are supposed to win. Talk about the character of this team. Yeah, I mean, they play, like, they play from their coach, Tom Simino. You know, he's similar to Greg Popovich, you know. He's going to get the most out of his players. I mean, he's a guy who sits in the sits in the film room all game, all day after the game, studying film, getting ready for the next game. It's always about the next game with him. And whatever team is on the floor, he, I mean, it doesn't matter who you have because he knows if you're going to play for the Bulls, you're going to have to get... You have to play your hardest because that's what Thibodeau's going to do. You know, the Bulls, I mean, they're off, they're not that much on offense this year, but you know, they've played well. They're 17-12 on the road this season compared to 17-14 at home. And, you know, you look at the road wins, it's it's very important for a team because road wins and playoffs, so that's how you get to the finals. Yeah. Um, you know, we look at the schedule, and, I mean, unfortunately in the in – the, um, in the stretch of March games, they uh, they met up with the Thunder, and they met up with yeah. the Heat, and uh, and even San Antonio were able to pull off double digit wins. And in uh, all three of those games, um, even in two out of the three, they failed to reach over seventy five points. So um, again, like I know Oklahoma City has weapons on the on the perimeter. Talk about the NBA as kind of a perimeter game, and it just seems like with LeBron, Kevin Durant. Um, Dwayne Wade, Tony Parker. It just seems like it's such a guard-oriented game, and it seems like the bull strengths are really inside. Yeah, it really has turned into a guard-oriented game for sure. I mean, you see that with, I don't know, Steph Curry the other night, 54 points, um, Kyrie Irving this season. It really is a guard-oriented game, and the Bulls are missing, uh, they're missing their quarterback right now, you know. He's their guy. I mean, 
their strengths are inside. You know, Boozer, Gibson, Noah, you know, they're going to grab rebounds, but you just, you need to have people on the outside who can create their own shot. And unfortunately, the Bulls just don't have much of that right now. Um, you know what, yesterday, I don't know, um, I think you might have caught like some of the uh, Knicks-Heat game. Did you watch that yesterday? I did not see much of it, no. Um, well, in the NBA, it just seems this season, because just an opinion, I was watching the game yesterday, and the Knicks had one of their best halves of the year. I mean, they were just like on... Um, they just couldn't um, be messed with in the first half. I mean, they were just unflappable making shots, and uh, they probably played their best half. Even Jason Kidd poured in 14 first-half points. Uh, Mello was just turning it on, and they were beating the Heat by 14. And then I tuned out a little bit in the third quarter, and then suddenly the Heat overtook them in the fourth and ended up winning the game. Do you think that maybe the NBA is – like talk about the length of the NBA games. I know this might not be something that people usually talk about, but to me, it just seems like the length of an NBA game might be too long. Um, I mean, what are your opinions on that? What I touched on earlier with the Heat is how they can just you know they know they can usually win most games. I mean, that's what you saw yesterday at the Knicks. They don't panic. After LeBron got that championship, he's basically got everything off his shoulders, and you can see this year he's playing incredible. I don't know. If, I I don't really have any problems with the length of the game. I mean, you can argue maybe the length of the season is a little too long, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, it's just um, it was just interesting to see the Knicks like um, in the first half. Um, the Heat pretty much played no defense, and uh, LeBron was even being stopped by Tyson Chandler. And just the way it was going, I was thinking, huh? I mean, this game should go to the Knicks, but it just seems like they couldn't sustain um, their run that they made in the first half. Talk about the NBA and like runs, and and I mean, you've watched a lot of games this season. I mean, how important is really fourth quarter, or, or how important is a first half lead in the yeah, NBA? It's all about momentum, you know, in the league. Once you get a team, once you get a, the Heat going, once you, Ray Allen starts making threes, it's, it's like a domino effect. Once one player starts making shots, everyone starts making shots, and you see that with the athletic teams like the Heat. You see that with the Thunder. I think, again, I think the Thunder lost that element losing James Harden. I mean, Kevin Martin has the ability to put up points, but he's not really a guy. He doesn't really have that playoff experience, and it's just, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Absolutely. Well, um, Wes, you know, thank you for coming on the show. Gave us some great insight on the Bulls and really told us about the ingredients to, um, to build an NBA championship. And as we highlighted the top teams in the league, Wes, thank you for coming on the show once again and a really nice show. All right, guys. So when we come back, we got uh, more Bruce the Sports Talk segments in three. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. 
injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Tired of the same mundane talk radio show, boring opinions, and people not knowing or telling the truth? Tune into The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. This show is brought to you by two men who know the good, the bad, and the ugly of professional sports. Josh and Otis's experience and careers in the NFL give them access to the inside information and a reason to have a candid opinion. Tune into the Voice America Sports Channel Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. It's more than sports talk. It's a way of life. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Bruce the Sports Doc on the Voice America Sports Network. I am your co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, and we are going to begin a very eventful segment um, and a very unique one. And not many sports radio hosts really spotlight these athletes, but um, I've been fortunate enough to know a very special athlete and his name is Raj Singh from Friend Central School. He is a close friend of mine. And Raj, I mean, um, this is your first time on Voice America. Say hi to the fans. Hey, everybody. What's up, Spence? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> Pleasure's mine. And uh, so, Raj Singh, um, very unique individual. And uh, just just tell them about a little bit about yourself and, uh, and talk about your... Uh, I guess your secret ingredients, and that is ping pong. Just talk about your love for ping pong, and then I'm going to share with America why this is a very special athlete. Okay, so um, I guess my love for ping pong started when I was young, and I used to play in my basement on my table with my dad and brother. Then as I grew up, my friends started coming over, we started playing, and we actually got pretty good. So at my school, they do this thing called the John Singer Table Tennis Tournament in memory of a, a, a kid who passed away and his favorite sport was ping pong, and I've won the ping pong tournament my last three years, and I'm in the finals this year, so I'm looking for the four-peat. Yeah, so that's it. So you, he just basically laid it right out there. I mean, as a freshman, he went in, done it, first place champion. I mean, he to even in that freshman year, he had to go through legends in Wesley Kaminsky and Declan Hahn, and um, and basically, yeah, I mean, this guy's trying to do something that no one has ever done before. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, the Kaminsky brothers both won when they were upperclassmen. So I think they each took um, two championships when they were upperclassmen. So Raj Singh, I mean, if he were going to win four 
out of four. I mean, that's something that could never be bested. Um, just talk about, um, so I, I've caught everybody up to date. So Raj, just talk about your experience as a young freshman um, and talk about how that first year, your approach to the tournament, um, because you're a young guy coming in, you're the rookie. No one has really seen you play. Talk about the advantages of being unknown and the disadvantages, maybe with your psyche or with not knowing about the tournament. Coming in as a freshman, I guess um, one of the big advantages I held was that I honestly didn't expect to win, so there was no pressure on me whatsoever to win. So if I win, I won. If I lost, whatever, I was a freshman. It doesn't matter. So I would definitely say that was one of my big advantages. So in the quarterfinals, I met um, Wes Kaminsky, the defending champion. So, of course, I, I expected myself to lose, and I went in I went in just playing to have fun. And, uh, I ended up beating him about 23-21 to 21 in a close one. And then I went on to the semis, and... Um, yeah, I had to play Declan in the finals, and I knew he was a competitor, and that was a battle, too, in three sets. Yeah. Talk about your emotion um, when you went. So uh, just to catch everyone up to date, um, at the Front Central Ping Pong Tour Championship, they have it in the gymnasium, in the basketball gymnasium, which is pretty large, and um, about the whole high school, which is about 400 kids watch, including faculty members. Um, first question is talk about the kind of environment that you get because the rest of the ping pong tournament is played in a uh, in the smaller gym, the Rex gym, um, with few uh, spectators. But talk about the assembly. Talk about um, what you like about the assembly and what might be nerve wracking about playing in front of the whole school. Well, I remember my freshman year, we um, Declan both picked Song Jai Ho too, and um, I picked the Song Jai Ho from Some Dog Millionaire. Got a big kick in the delay start a little bit. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so you're very proud of your Indian heritage and, uh, and that's really, um, a special thing. And, uh, I got to give you credit for that song choice. Um, so talk about the, um, the emotion winning it your first year and then, um, the latter, your, your third year. Um, like, talk, is there anything that can really beat the first time doing something? Um, well, Actually, the first time, actually, the second time I won, it definitely felt best so far because the, the second. Yeah, hello? able to come back, and, and that one definitely felt the best. I was ecstatic after that win. But that, the first one was definitely. Hey, excuse me, we're losing you a little bit. Can you speak up, actually? Yeah, do you want me to say all that again? <laughs> Just maybe some of it, or if you want me to go on to a new question, that's fine. I'll answer the question again. Um, I said uh, winning at my sophomore year was definitely um, the biggest ego boost for me because I was able to come back from match point down to win it. Um, but winning my freshman year was definitely big for me too, being a freshman and nobody really expected it. So, yeah, I guess they both had their, their special moments. Now, when you play p- ping pong socially, I mean, it's mostly a social game that you see at parties or gatherings with, or with teenagers, especially of this generation. But, you know, even a lot of people in older generations have played uh, ping pong. Um, what type of people are you most nervous around? Like pretty girls, like elder statesmen, like adults, um, your brother's friends? Because your brother's a couple years older. What, what type of people do you, uh, do you actually start to get a little rattled, if any, while playing ping pong? Um, I don't really get that rattled, but if I had to, if I had to pick a group of people, it'd probably be people, other, like, good ping pong players, because if I lose a few points, I'll feel like, oh, they're going to think I'm really bad, and they'll start getting in my head. Right. So, so like maybe like a guy like I guess like a Wes Kaminsky that and that is like that, a Wes or a Declan or 
someone like someone who's older than you and who's yeah. won the tournament. But right now, as a senior, I mean, it's it's hard to get nervous, and it looks like your legacy really um, can't be shattered. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of like a fun question, a fun hour. Um, if you're playing a pretty girl in ping pong, are you, are you going to beat her or let her get settled in? Oh, I always let them win. They love that. Yeah. That's that's your magic charm right there. So just kind of like hit the ball back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when I play like a pretty female, I mean, I'm just going to I'm just going to hit the ball back. I'm not I might go for a slam occasionally, but that I mean, it just takes the fun out of it sometimes. I mean, we're not even talking about females because that sounds a little sexist, but just someone who hasn't played the game as much. It could be a guy too. Um, so, so I'm um, coming back to the um, to the John Singer Championship and with ping pong. I mean, uh, you've played a lot of kids in this tournament. What do you think? I mean, from this generation, what type of shot do kids obsess on? I mean, uh, w w like, do they obsess on their forehands or backhands? And what are areas? Um, what are trends that you see in the game nowadays? I would definitely say most kids have great success off of their forehand side. Their backhands are usually very weak. <laughs> um, I haven't had a lot of success in my ping pong game because I have solid forehand and solid backhand, and neither of them are that much better than the others. I can I can just play my game off of either wing. So I think if um, some of my friends at least were able to improve on their backhands, I think they'd give me they'd give me much bigger runs because. All I have to do is really hit it to the backhand side, and I'm able to win the point. Yeah, I feel like you're even indirectly talking about me because uh, a little bit. <laughs> for the longest time, I mean, when when you really needed a point, you would just go backhand the backhand, and then I mean, the point would run dry pretty fast. I'd frame one, hit it off my finger, and I, I you know, usually with me, you like to toy with me. Usually, I'll I'll breach from the forehand, and you'll have to contain my the bite of my topspin. That's where we have the most fun. Yeah. yeah. Talk about your uh, in-depth vocab of the game, and you're a really special player because you're an innovator, and you're working with now the Yentology movement. Talk about really how Yentology came about, and uh, and talk about maybe goals for America when when playing uh, ping pong, and um, and Yentology as a whole. Just talk about the term and and speak about Americans and achieving the ultimate form of Yent. So Yentology um, came about when me and my friends, including you, Spencer. That's nice. It's nice that I'm included, by the way. Yeah. And we came up with this fictional character, Dr. Charles Jebediah Yent. Yeah, of um, course. Who was a master of ping pong <laughs> and who created the study of Yent, or Yentology, as it's come, come to be known. Of course. So Yentology, whenever we hit like a really pretty shot or a really nice shot, it's always Yent. Oh, that was so Yent. So, um... I think America could really strive to strive to be more yent towards in their everyday doings and be better as a nation. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that um, you see now we're getting political with yentology. I mean, this is what Charles, you know, we I call him Jebby. Um, this is really what he put to the forefront of this movement. Um, and and basically, I mean, I try most of my yentles in, in pre and rallies, you know, before before a match, you know, and of course, going off the side of the table. Usually, a ping pong table is two colors, and usually the lines are painted different. So coloring the lines, I mean, that was really again special. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we talk also other terms. I mean, yentl soup, is that one that's also being thrown around? Yentl soup is definitely one that's been thrown around. 
stirring up some lentil soup. Um, talk talk about breaching the forehand. I mean, I know it's kind of a complex definition for listeners. I mean, there's a more uh, there's a definition that I made up that that listeners might not understand. But talk about just breaching, and uh, and talk about really like hitting that nirvanic forehand with that topspin. So Spencer's definition of breaching is scraping the waffle hairs off the ping pong ball. And basically what that means is just ever so slightly clipping the ball just to get that maximum spin on the forehand side. So if you're breaching, you're really getting a lot of spin, getting a lot of depth and height on that ball. It's a lot of bite. I mean, I love to see it kind of land in the open court, just just get right over the net and then have that right-to-left spin um, causing chaos on the other side. I mean, I love when you just hit that perfect shot. You just skim that ball. It just hits right over the net, forces guys up against the wall, and, and just takes them back for a ride. I mean, I love that. And, you know, with, with a shot that's breached, I mean, it, it, it's tough to – usually you have to take it early before it, before it works on you. Yeah, you do. You have really have to try and either take it late and slice it a lot, or you just have to take it early and try and breach it right back. Yeah, and some environments are better than others if you have more room. I mean, some some breaches in, in certain environments are even more dangerous. Yeah. So, guys, you know what? Um, unfortunately, our time is running out. Just an uh, just an unbelievable time with Raj Singh. Um, as as uh, we all wish him luck as he goes for his um, fourth championship in the John Singer Classic at um, Front Central High School. And uh, Raj, thank you very much for joining our show. I hope you had a lot of fun. Thank you. And uh, we look to talk to more to the Yentl kid in the future. So thanks a lot, Raj. And uh, we'll be back in three minutes with the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're going to get back to our usual friend, the closed head injury, the concussion. I'm here with an actual live patient. 
We'll call him Steve S. We like to maintain his confidentiality. But Steve is a very wonderful guy who had a very bad thing happen to him. In May of this year, he was involved in an accident where his head was jolted around. He had an acceleration and deceleration, and he suffered a severe concussion. Steve is with us today, and what we're going to hear from him is his experience with respect to his symptomatology, and uh, he, he has participated in impact testing, and he's noted a host of symptoms. So firstly, Steve, I wanted to welcome you to the program. We're here on Voice America Sports, and you know me as Dr. Grossinger, but I'm Bruce the Sports Doc. I wanted to say, Steve, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, my, my experience has been that um, I, uh, I have trouble um, recalling uh, what, you, what I, I might have been doing in conversation or what I've read or um, even what I'm supposed to do without making lists and reminders and things like that. And then uh, just the headaches have been really bad to the point of causing me to be nauseous or even vomiting it sometimes um I, I get dizzy sometimes and the injections help for a little while but um i i uh i'm kind of suffering kind of this has been going on for a while but um i'm hoping that as time goes on uh, that things will improve Well, I wanted to thank you for that initial description of your symptoms. Looking at your impact score, Steve, um, you're very symptomatic, as you indicated. Some of the biggest problems relate to your headaches, your nausea. Uh, you've been having difficulty with processing. And what I, and I want to also, what, what, I, what I try to stress is certain areas, headaches, cognitive processing, and sleep are areas that are very difficult. And... I wanted to talk, have you tell our audience a bit about your sleep problem. Um, I, I, I have another injury that causes me uh, problems as well, but I've had uh, the biggest difficulty with just getting to the onset of sleep, and then when I finally do sleep, it's 4 or 5 in the morning, and I'm back up helping my wife get the kids out the door. And uh, then I'm sleepy during the day, and uh it it it's it's kind of a vicious cycle where it, it um i i feel like i'm not um able ever to really catch up i guess steve underwent impact testing and this is very instructive his first impact test post injury was on 629-2011 which was uh, six weeks after his concussion on May 16th. His initial scores with the various composites were literally in the one percentile for the four parts, which were verbal memory, visual memory, his motor speed, and his reaction time. So his cognitive efficiency index was 0.06, which is considered a low score, and then it was below 0.2. He had some time, some treatment, and essentially a month later, which is 7-29-2011, today, he has gone up 
in some areas dramatically. That is, his verbal memory has gone from 1% to 11%. His motor speed went from 1% to 5%, and his reaction time is up to 4%. Still in the borderline area, which is lower than... So just to recap, he spontaneously has improved, and that is often the case with concussions, but he's still in some ways in the low normal range, and his biggest problem is with visual memory. So as far as him being able to read and retain, that would be a tough area. Also, we talked about his headache. So how have we treated his headaches? We've used some occipital injections, which means injecting him in the back portions of his head. So, Steve, tell us a bit about your response to the injections. Um, the, inje- the injections help for um, a little bit of time. Usually I've had them like once a week, and by the time I come back, it's, it's time for another one. Um, usually a lot of the times I've uh, uh, aggravated things with some of the physical therapy that I'm doing for uh, my shoulder injury and just kind of uh, moving my neck the wrong way. Um, but it, it does it it helps considerably in stopping the onset of the headaches. Now, I think it's important for the listening audience to realize that before your concussion, uh, and, and of course now you're still a very intelligent guy, but your job is to do various consultation things, and that involves having to multitask, to deal with people, to be articulate, and since your concussion. I know that you're frustrated about how you're performing. Could you tell us a bit about your, what you're experiencing f- from the concussion, how it impacts whenever you try to do something resembling your prior work? Well, um, I, I, I did some technical transfer work um, in the, for the pharmaceutical industry, but my primary job was a, as an AP chemistry teacher. And um, I, I, since May 16th, I, I was unable to focus and um, do any of the work. So I, I've been out on, on long-term disability. I didn't teach summer school or um, um, I haven't tutored anyone over the summer just to, until I uh, kind of recoup my, uh, my ability to focus on what I need to do. Well, I think that relates directly to how we're treating Steve. Uh, we talked earlier, actually last week, about how there are no medicines that have been studied long enough and well enough that have been shown statistically to help people with concussions. So what we're doing now is empiric treatment. Uh, he is getting a combination analgesic for his headaches. He's receiving occipital injections, just to let the audience know. These are injections at the interface between his head and neck. And what we're doing is we're also prescribing something which is a neurostimulant, which is called Adderall. And we started him off on 10 milligrams because I'm really concerned. Here's a guy who's a high-functioning guy who's done work in the past as a consultant who's basically totally disabled from working as a chemistry teacher. So here's a really bright guy. And any of you who remember high school, and I being a doctor, I can tell you chemistry is certainly one of the most complicated areas. Basically, it really takes into account a lot of visual-spatial ideas. It also has a lot of mathematics. It's really a lot of algebraic formulas. And physical formulas, there's a lot of physics and chemistry. You can't really you can't really understand chemistry without understanding physics, really. So here's a guy who whose job is to teach, you know, uh, adults, teenagers, kids, chemistry, and he just can't do it. You can imagine how frustrated he is. So firstly, 
Uh, I'm going to continue with some of the discussion, but I want to thank Steve for participating in the show. Thank you so much, Steve. Well, you're very much welcome. Thanks for having me. So we've got Steve on his way, but I think it's very important for you to realize that concussions don't play favorites. They happen to everybody, young and old, every race, every creed, every color. And people can start off being extremely intelligent and accomplished like Steve. Some people start off, unfortunately, they might have some pre-existing problems like a learning disability or attention deficit. And you can imagine we, we add the concussion into the mix and it, it really causes problems. So if we look at Steve, we, we look at his symptom complex, we can see how symptomatic he really is. He's still graded to be a 6 in headache with nausea and vomiting. He still has a 6 out of 6 in falling asleep. Relatively good with respect to his vision. That is zero. That means he hasn't had a problem with the brainstem area or his optic nerves or his occipital part of the brain, which is the back part of the brain. So that's, that's a good thing. And emotionally speaking, he's at a pretty even keel with a little bit of sadness and frustration, which is natural when you lose your ability to work, when you require many treatments to see doctors, and when you require medications. And before this concussion, he was formerly extremely healthy. So in any event, you've now understood what it's like to be in the doctor's office to actually interview a patient and to go over the impact testing, which is software developed at the University of Pittsburgh. Kudos go to Dr. Mickey Collins and his staff for developing and servicing the software and allowing us to utilize it. And we're happy to certainly uh, speak about that software today. So I want to thank you all for listening to this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.